Imagine getting up every day full of energy as if you were in your 20s again. What would that be like? What would that be worth to you? What is your health worth to you? Think about it. Your health isn't everything, but without it, everything else is nothing. And yet too many of us are taking it for granted until something goes wrong. No one wakes up hoping to be diagnosed with a disease or chronic illness. And yet we've never been taught how to be proactive in our health through our school system or public health. As a registered health coach and integrative health practitioner, I believe it is time this information is made available to everyone. Combining new knowledge around your health and the ability to do my functional medicine lab tests in the comfort of your own home will allow you to optimize your health for today and all your tomorrows. Don't wait for your wake up call. back to the Don't Wait for Your Wake Up Call podcast. I am Melissa Dealey, the host of the show, and I'm really excited to welcome you to my guest today, Ken Streeter. Welcome, Ken. Howdy. It's great to be here, and I'm excited to see where this takes us. Me too. So let me just introduce who you are to people as we jump in. Ken Streeter shares eye-opening and heartwarming global experiences that reflect our shared dreams and concerns. He has seen firsthand how common ground blooms greater good. From angry hippo showdowns to nuclear missile attacks, from billionaire shenanigans to Siberian soccer wars, to quiet conversations with everyday heroes, these and other interactions inspire him to create good change. And of course, you are the host of the Good Change podcast, which you graciously had me on before. So as an international best-selling author, TEDx, and keynote speaker and social good entrepreneur, Ken's timely work highlights the need for our collective growth and is reflected by Thuplin Jimpa, founder of the Compassion Institute and principal translator to the Dalai Lama. Now more than ever, there is need for people to connect with their better selves and view others and the world through the lenses of shared humanity. Ken Streeter's book, Be the Good, helps us to do this and act from such awareness with action steps that can easily be put into effect right now. And I love all of that, you know, be the good, good change, as well as action steps we can implement right away. That's what I try to do with my podcast. And that's why you're here. So welcome, welcome. Thank you again. Thanks for that great introduction as well. My pleasure. You have had an incredible background and I would just love for you to share a little bit of your story as to how you came to this place of recognizing this, you know, shared humanity for the greater good and the work that drives your passion today. Be happy to do that. I uh, was born and raised in Southern California and quickly realized that that wasn't quite the place for me. This was in the early 60s and uh, 70s, and I became a, a river guide and had the good fortune of, of working on rivers and playing on rivers and developing friendships and communities in 50 different countries uh, from Africa to Siberia, Alaska to South America. And uh, in that process, I just I recognized that, A, as a river guide uh, in a team of river guides with groups of people, that teamwork really matters. And B, that in communities throughout the country, there are people who are endeavoring to work together to make their places better. And I've seen that in thriving and threadbare places from the poorest African communities to the busiest cities on earth. 
And so I took that experience as a river guide and started my own rafting company and then had the opportunity to outfit trips with uh, dozens of guides around the world myself. Uh, after that, I uh, oddly, uh, and it's a whole other story, but I actually got into commercial real estate. The, the, the gist of why is I recognized when I wanted to start a family, my wife and I wanted to start a family that it probably wasn't uh, conducive to being a good parent to be gone in uh, Southeast Asia or Africa or South America. So we decided to um, have me change careers and I got into commercial real estate which uh, has never been regarded as an industry of compassionate, uh, purpose-driven people. It's largely driven by folks who are trying to make a lot of money and, uh, and sometimes do it less than uh, ethically. And so I was in that industry uh, for a number of years and it drove me crazy because outfitting is a fairly noble pursuit where people that you uh, take on rivers or hiking or sea kayaking, their lives are changed as the result of those experiences. And often their families' lives and their friends' lives are changed. And there was nothing to that. There was no part of that in real estate. And I realized I had three choices. One was I could get out. and But at this point, I had three little kids uh, and I was making a living at it. Two, I could just go to work pissed off every day. Or three, I could change the way that the industry runs, starting with my company. And so we became a very mission-driven, purposeful company that endeavored to put community before commodity, meaning taking care of others before making money. And lo and behold, that model took hold and uh, our, our brokerage grew uh, exponentially. I was a half owner of the brokerage and uh, it just it resonated with people. People wanted to be our clients because they believed the same thing and they didn't know that that option existed in commercial real estate brokerage. Mm -hmm. um, and then uh, during that time, while I was still feeling somewhat empty, I, I wanted to find something a little bit more purposeful as I'd felt when I was an outfitter. And so I wrote my first book, The Gift of Courage, uh, and um, had some great critical acclaim with that book that I'm extremely grateful for. Uh, and then I, I recognized that that's really where a passion lied was was using the skill and the experience that I had to bring people together through writing and speaking. And and so that's landed me where we are today with the podcast, the Good Change podcast with my now I'm writing my fourth book and with um, having great conversations with people like you about how to manifest change. I love it. I love every step of that. <laughs> <laughs> and and I have, too. It's been I've been blessed. Uh, you know, it's, it's a remarkable thing to look back and say that I lived my lot, my, the dream, I lived my life as a dream. Uh, and then I didn't, and then I hated my life. And then I recomposed, restructured. And, and now I'm, I'm grateful every day for the position I'm in. And that you, you recognize that you had a choice, right? You didn't feel stuck. You figured out a way to shift the work that you were doing into being in alignment with your heart-centered person. Yeah. And, and that didn't mean I wasn't stuck because I was, there were many right. years there where I was stuck and I, I, you know, we were deeply in debt. It was during the downturn and I would wake up at two o'clock in the morning and toss and turn because I, we, you know, we owed $150,000 on credit cards. We were underwater on three different investment properties. It was a mess and I was stuck and then I said, okay, uh, I've, I've, I've lived in a way, whether that was as a child and I didn't consciously know it or um, as a river guide where I was somewhat aware of it. And then definitely as an outfitter, 
uh, where I said there there is a better way to live. And uh, from that stuckness, I took small steps in order to uh, be in the position we're in today. And that's what it takes, right? Is the small step. You know, it's when we're stuck, we're not taking any steps, right? So that one step. Yeah, that's exactly right. (laughs) Or we're falling down. We're not even standing up. We're falling down. And, uh, you know, I spent at one point in my life, I spent eight straight months, 20 or more hours a day flat on my back because I had ruptured discs in my back. And uh, so I spent that that time uh, wallowing in, in pity, not even stepping, but really just on my back. Um, but then I, I used to reflect in, during that period and at other times in my life on the whole concept of purpose. And uh, I used to be a, a believer in the idea that you need to really work on discovering your purpose and that uh, I spent months and years trying to do that, trying to figure out my deep, intense, uh, life-mattering, lifelong purpose. And uh, I didn't find it because I wasn't taking any steps. That was the key, is once I started taking steps, then I began to realize where meaning came in my life. And so talk to me a little bit about that, because I think the idea of purpose is something that is the discussion and conversation around that is more prevalent today than ever. And people are questioning, why am I here? What is my purpose on this planet? And how do I figure that out? And I would have to say in my journey into health and wellness that I was simply open to being guided because I didn't know what career was going to be my next career after 24 years with one company and then being let go and given an hour to clear out my desk. And because I was being open, I was open to being guided. I landed here and then realized, oh my God, this is what I was meant to do. But not everybody does that or takes that approach. And some people like you are like really trying to figure it out. And so where was your aha? What would you suggest for others that are maybe trying to figure it out right now? So my my aha, there, there were two or three ahas, but one of the main ones was, waking up every morning and going for a walk on a quiet country road. And this was in the middle of the maelstrom. This was in the time in my life where the debt issues were huge and I was completely unsatisfied with my life. And I said, I got to do something different. So I would just get up and go for a walk. Mm -hmm. And that allowed my mind to be still Mm -hmm. where you're walking in a more or less natural setting and nobody else is around you. It's, it quiets your mind. It stills your mind. And I was just on a, uh, a, call this morning and uh the this i'm going to butcher this phrase but it was essentially when your mind is still life flows through you more powerfully and so that's what i did and i don't want to get too touchy-feely on it but just going for a walk allowed my mind to, to slow down for me to really ask questions about what floats my boat right. and what 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 really you know it's interesting metaphor rafting metaphor but what what allows me to feel like I'm going with the flow and going downstream and doing so purposefully. Mm -hmm. So that was the the first step. And then the second step, and this is when I had the real big aha moment, because up until that point, remember, I was still struggling with the grand purpose concept, you know, how I I have to find my deep life's purpose. And I need to reflect on that in order to find it, which it turned out was not true. Uh, what, What it turned out, to be in order to, to recognize purpose was just to do something meaningful mm-hmm. every day. 
Just mm -hmm. start by doing a single meaningful thing. And oftentimes, more often than not, that meaningful thing that you're doing either directly positively impacts another in that moment or what you produce from those meaningful moments will at some point positively impact somebody else. And so that was the big epiphany for me and a lot of reading, a lot of reading about um, purpose and then a, more so about just taking steps. Right. I, I love that. And the whole concept of doing something meaningful every day, because when we give to others, it fills us up. And so often when we're in that place of, you know, being pushed down by this fast paced modern world we lived in and high stress and high debt and trying to do the best we can, but it just all feels overwhelming that we're so hard on ourselves and we're so beaten up inside and feeling, I don't know, I want to just say small or squashed or yeah. insignificant, right? But when we take that step to do something meaningful every day, supporting others in some way, it fills us up. And when it fills us up, it allows us to expand. And when we expand, that allows something else to come in, as you said, right? Right. right. And you know what? It's, it seems silly on one level, but one of the things that I started doing, in addition to writing, writing was super, super important to me because I was able to put my thoughts on paper and was writing in a way that I, I, I didn't know it at the time, but I believed it uh, would inspire others. And so that's that's kind of what my books are about. But the other thing I did, and this is this is how I guess simple it is. I don't want to make it sound trivial, but it's really this simple. Was I started coaching youth sports. I started coaching first grade boys soccer. My son was in the first grade and uh, I watched him when he was in the kindergarten and with his team there and I said, I want to do that. And so that's all I did was I just started coaching youth soccer. And I discovered when I was doing that, how meaningful it felt. Mm -hmm. And I, I, then I, I kind of additionally formulated my idea about purpose and meaning. And, and it, I came to realize that if you engage, if you do something as simple as coach an hour of youth sports two or three times a week, and that fills you up, um, and but you don't feel like it's necessarily filling you up as much as you could be or would like to be, then you try something else. And eventually, after you've tried half a dozen different things and you've given an hour here and an hour there, one or two of those things are really going to resonate with you. And so then you do more of that and you do more of that and you do more of that and you build on that either time-wise or energy-wise or whatever. And before you know it, you recognize this pattern of things that really, really, really matter to you, where, where they not only matter to you, but you also feel like you matter. And um, in that discovery is where you find your purpose. I love that. And I'm thinking about myself as you're talking to that, because I didn't coach soccer because I never played soccer, <laughs> but I managed the team, right? My husband coached, I managed the team because yeah. I naturally have really good organizational skills. And so it was really easy for me to manage the team, but I got to know all the families. I got to know all the girls and between us coaching and managing, we were able to, you know, deliver a really efficient, you know, soccer program to the families of my daughter's ages. Mm. And 
I loved it. It was easy because it was doing something that I was good at. And I think that's a piece of it too. You probably chose to coach soccer because you knew soccer and that was easier for you. And it was something that you got to do with your son, right? So it's not like you have to go out and learn a whole new skill before you can offer your time and find something meaningful. It's actually think about what you do well naturally. Right. You know, that is such an important distinction because if, if you naturally do it well, and if you then do that, even if it's uh, microscopically in terms of the amount of time that you put into it in a week, it's, it's going to feel natural and rewarding to you because you do it well. And it doesn't mean, mean you have to do it perfectly. And it doesn't mean that you have to spend hours and hours and hours more each week or month getting better at it. It's just recognizing what you do well, in your case, you organize things, you're a great organizer, and you found you found meaning in, in being a good organizer by giving of yourself because uh, you did that, recognizing that you had something to bring to the world because you did it well. And it's not an ego thing. It's just, it, it feels great when you do that because A, you do it well, and B, you know you're providing some meaning to people. Absolutely. And because you know you do it well, it's not taking too much of my time and it feels easy. So it doesn't feel like, you know, I'm going out of my way to do it. Right. Yep. But you do get that reward feeling. I got enjoyment from it. Right. Yep. And, you know, just getting to know the other kids of my children's age and their interests. Well, as a parent, you want to know who they are. Right. It just yeah. enhances everyone's relationships. Yeah. And so the, the finding that meaningful thing is, you know, find something that relates to your kids that allows your, you to spend more time with your kids. So it doesn't have to be something that takes you away from your family. Right. 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 We all have the same 24 hours in a day, but we all feel like there's never enough time. And so, you know, people could be listening going, well, how do I work this into my schedule? I already don't have enough time for my kids and my family. So do something that allows you to spend more time. Yeah. And, and uh, a, a guest that I had on a podcast a while back, his name is Nir Eyal. He's written a couple of books about human behavior. And he says simply that time management is value management or value management mm -hmm. is time management. And mm -hmm. so if, if you don't have enough time in your day and it doesn't feel right, that's because your calendar is not aligning with your values mm -hmm. and it doesn't take much to make that match up better. And I kind of liken it to a bicycle rim uh, where you've got uh, the hub in the middle of the, of the bicycle rim. And then you've got all these spokes that go out to the outside and centrifugal force will naturally allow you if that, if that hub, that wheel is spinning to get out to the outer edge. And if the outer edge is living a meaningful life and you're never starting down one of those little spoke routes, then you're just spinning in the hub away from the meaning of your life. You're spinning in the middle of this wheel, but never realizing the, the essence of the wheel, which is a meaningful life. So all you have to do, and this is exactly what you were just talking about, where you started coaching soccer, is just start up one of those spokes. Just start up one of those spokes. And as long as you're still staying in that spoke, meaning that as long as you keep trying on some level, that eventually the force is going to take you to the outside where your meaning is and you live then on that part of the wheel. 
And that's where you can be in flow as well. And so that helps with that whole time management, time value thing, because when you're in that flow, you don't even notice time happening because it's so joyful to be there that, you know, it, an hour might pass by and it feels like 30 seconds. Yeah. As opposed to when you're doing something that you don't enjoy and you're watching the clock, like that hour takes feels like four hours right exactly yeah and And you know they're one go ahead sorry go ahead i would just say getting into that flow state is is so important at us understanding time and value alignment yep and and using the flow metaphor and the river metaphor kind of an additional metaphor in addition to the spoken rim metaphor is that if you are sitting along the side of a river and you are afraid to, to jump into the river, even though there is absolutely no indication whatsoever that that river is going to harm you. If you do not step into the river or jump into the river, you will never be able to go into the flow. So if you're afraid, or if you're, if you believe that you don't have enough time or energy, then you're, you're going to remain on the shore and there's nothing better than, than that flow experience and I, I, I hearken back to when I was a river guide. And then I, before that, I had a class on religions, world religions in college. And I remember one of, the, one of the, the, the people that were quoted in that class of philosophers said something to the effect of that, that uh, the true spiritual moment in our lives are when we are so in the here and now that we don't know we're in the here and now. And whether that is writing a book or on a field with 12 little kids, two of whom are stopping to pick dandelions and three of them are kicking the ball and the rest of them are off on the sidelines saying something silly to each other. When you're in that moment and you don't realize that you're even in that moment, that's, that's the beauty of doing things that are meaningful. And that's where, again, your purpose is realized. Very, very true. And if you're not willing to step into the river and get into the flow, then you stay stuck on the shore back then, to the previous stuck state, right? Yeah. And, and the physiological and the psychological ramifications from that are, well, we, we see it. We see it every day. In your business, you see it every day. Mm-hmm. If, if people can take care of themselves physiologically, but if they're not adding that extra layer of of being in some flow state, at least at some point in their life on a weekly or monthly or even daily basis, then all of the physiological improvements in the world will not allow them to actualize really good, complete health if they're not adding that component to their life. A hundred percent. And not only that, that stuck state actually can cause physiological damage Mm -hmm. as well. Right. And that's when, you know, the stress of it all starts to break down our gut health, cause imbalances, trigger inflammation in the body and trigger disease. Right. Yeah. And you know, that happens in, and we'll come back and talk to this more. I know, but you know, I look at people that count down the days until retirement, Mm. right? Because unfortunately they're in a job that they don't love. And you probably know the stats, but I think it's, you know, upwards of 60% of people are completely disengaged in their work and, you know, dread having to go to work every day. Mm. And so they're counting down the days to retirement and then they plan out their first month or so after retirement and, you know, pre COVID anyway, there was always travel involved and they want to go do this and they go and do that. And it's all fabulous. And then they come back and now what do they do with their time? Mm. 
they haven't figured out what's meaningful and how to spend their time. And so that starts to lead to boredom. Yeah. Boredom starts to actually trigger disease, sickness, and mm-hmm. depression often will come first and then disease. And then how many people are actually dying soon after retiring mm, Right. in the Western world? And it's and, tragic because it yeah, doesn't have to be that way. And you know that, and I know that, but yeah. let's talk about that. <laughs> so that brings up a great point. You and I have talked about the Blue Zones, this book yes. before. And uh, the Blue Zones is a book that is about the, they're, they're the, the highest ratio of centenarians per population. So the highest ratio of 100-year-olds per population. And, and it's studied, it, it goes out and it, it, the author finds and his team, they find these different civilization pockets where this is the case, where there's way more 100-year-olds than anywhere else on earth. And, and just places like Sardinia and uh, Costa Rica and Loma Linda, California, which is a whole other story, a fascinating story, and Okinawa, these are all places where they have the highest, um, highest percentage of 100-year-olds per capita. And, and so then they studied these cultures and they came up with, with nine reasons, nine commonalities from culture to culture, even though for, they're on very different parts of the planet. And four of those are physiologic reasons like diet and, and exercise. And, and exercise doesn't necessarily mean going to the gym, but it means um, working in a, in a, a plantation or, or herding sheep or um, just doing something that where you're active every day. So well, there's movement. four just movement critical. Yeah. yeah. One of those four things is movement mm-hmm. and the other is diet and that kind of stuff. Like surprisingly, red meat in these different societies is considered a delicacy and very rarely do the people there eat a lot of red meat. Uh, The other four reasons out of the nine, so you've got four physiological, then you have four sociological, and those are being connected to other people. And part of that includes being revered as an elder. And and these population centers, the the elders are, are highly regarded as opposed to set aside. Um, and then also belonging to a spiritual community and then having an extended family. So there's the, the sociologic reasons. And then there's one that doesn't fit into either category. And that in the book is identified as a Japanese word in Okinawa as ikigai. And the translation in the book and what I've came to apply as the translation is my reason for waking up every morning. And the, so you can, going back to what we were talking about before, you can be as physiologically uh, healthy, quote unquote, as you try to be or want to be, and you can even be sociologically rich. But if if you don't have a reason for getting up every day, getting back to your point about retirement, then there's a strong likelihood that you won't live to be 100 years old. Exactly. And I love this research. Because first of all, as many people, or many listeners know, my grandmother lived to be 101. And she lived at home alone, looking after herself right until she was 101. Wow. And so I have good genes, but I know it's about more than just my genes, right? And so I'm looking at all of those pieces because I want to live my life the same way. Mm-hmm. And so what are all of those pieces? And this research really shows us what those pieces are. And It allows me to look back with gratitude at where I'm at today compared to where I was. Because when I was in the corporate world, I had a great career for 22 of the 24 years. Then I got stuck under a horrible boss with, you know, a chip on each shoulder for two years. Mm -hmm. And then 
if I have, if I was still in that career, then I would have been, you know, looking towards retirement at some point. Right. And whereas now in the work that I do, I feel like I have my Ikigai and having grown up in Japan and spent years there, speak the language, I know exactly what Ikigai means. And I have my Ikigai because I don't have to stop this work ever. Yeah. Yeah. Right. I help people get to the root cause of what's going on. I help their body come back into balance, at which point it will heal itself. Maybe I'm not going to do it 40 hours a week when I'm 95. Maybe I'm just going to offer, you know, two hours a week, but I can still do it. Yeah. Right. And I feel like that sets me up in a massive way to be going down that path of my grandmother and not down that path of the people that are dying soon after retiring, because I don't ever intend to retire. Yeah. (laughs) And I've actually had my financial advisor when he, you know, did all his stats and he figured out, okay, this is how much money you need. He just put it in as like, you know, the average person dies at 80. So let's factor this out till 80. And my husband and I looked at each other and my husband said, you got to factor in at least 20 more years on that for her. Yeah. (laughs) Don't put a number on it. Right. And today, unfortunately, too many of us are um, it's, talking lifespan instead of health span and we're living shorter but dying longer and let's flip that on its head let's die shorter live longer like my grandmother did and when we have all of these pieces in place we can absolutely do that we just need to know those pieces right so it's awesome that you just outlined all of them very often people are aware, okay, we need to do something with nutrition. They're aware of exercise, but they're not necessarily aware of all those other pieces right. that are so important. And, you know, community or having your tribe is a big part of that. Well, and that's what's a, a fascinating kind of synergistic, uh, positive upwind uh, effect is that if you individually are healthier and not just physiologically, but sociologically and emotionally, spiritually, then the benefits that you bring to your community are many fold greater than if you are not feeling good and you're not uh, engaged. It, so, so the benefits of, of the physiologic health and, and having a purpose and the sociological benefits the, all of those things add up to you being a more uh, fruitful member of society, member of your community. And then guess what? As, as a result of you lifting your community, as a result of doing things that matter to you and taking care of yourself, the community gets healthier. And when the community gets healthier, guess what? You get healthier because you're part of that community. So it's this beautiful upward spiral. Mm-hmm. We rise all boats together, right? Yeah, exactly. Coming back to our boating and river rafting (laughs) analogies, et cetera. So I I love all of that. And so coming back to that meaningful work as well is that time, you know, for people that are retiring and that want to retire and aren't in something that they can do forever, it doesn't mean your life has to come to a standstill. And if you haven't experienced something uh, in, in your life, consistently experienced something in your life that, that brings you joy and provides your life with meaning. And again, my recommendation is to stop, um, whether you're 20 or 80, 
to stop beating yourself up to, uh, to introspectively discover your purpose. My recommendation is that you go out and do something and take that step. And then you go out that bicycle spoke. And before you know it, you're living in a life of meaning. And it may not be that where you started, the spoke that you started ends up being the exit, the, where you stay on the exit point of the wheel, but you're on the outside. Exactly. So if you haven't had the opportunity to experience that that kind of joy and meaning, I, I invite folks to look at it kind of like as a, as a kid stepping onto a playground for maybe the first time ever, where you've got the thing that spins around, and then you got the thing that climb, you can climb on, and then you got the thing that swings back and forth. And, and, and when you're a kid and you first step onto that playground, you don't think, oh, I wonder which one of these is going to bring me the most joy. I think I'll try this one first and then that one next. And, and then analyze the entire playground for, for all the different pieces of equipment. You just go jump on the thing that looks like it's the most fun. And right. that's, that's how you start to build that kind of life. And probably you try a few of them, you know, at the same time. You don't have to try one and do it for two years before you decide to try the other, right? Try one. Try one. And then and then the whole playground is, is yours to enjoy. Exactly. And so, you know, I really invite people to look at their retirement as that time to give back, to figure out what gives you meaning and, you know, spend those years doing that. And now you may have grandchildren, right? Mm -hmm. Maybe now you're just supporting your kids because they're busy working and they need time with um, you know, they don't have as much time with their, with their kids and their daycares or whatever it is, like, how can you support your community? And as you say, try different things, because that's where you discover what brings you the most joy. Right. And it doesn't and, and, have to be just one thing either. Yeah. And as you're enjoying those things, getting back to one of the things I said initially is, is when your mind is quiet. So when you're in the moment, life throws more life flows more powerfully through you. And that's the benefit that you bring to, to your community is if life is flowing more powerfully through you, the, the, the power that that offers as it's coming out of you into your community is in some cases infinite. And, and in some cases, you may not even know that how much benefit, how much good you've brought to the community when life is flowing powerfully through you. Mm -hmm. We never know that ripple effect, the domino effect, right? And how what you do touches one person that touches three people that touches nine people and so on and so forth. And you may not know the ripple effect, but but I've got one quick story here about a rafting trip where mm -hmm. uh, I was the river guide and there was a family of four on the trip and there was the mother and father and uh, there was a, about a 10 year old girl and a six year old boy. And I, I don't know the impact that I had on this kid's life today. I have no way of knowing. But we got off the raft and we were walking up this trail towards a wilderness lodge on this particular river where you can spend the night. And, and I write about this in, in the book that I'm, that I'm writing. It, it's one of the most powerful experiences of my life. As I'm walking up this trail, I'm, the six-year-old boy is standing right next to me. And I've known him for three days, total of three days. And he just, he's walking with me now up the trail. And he just puts his hand in mine. He just wanted to hold my hand. And, and while you may never know the impact that you have on that ultimate ripple effect, mm -hmm. in that moment, 
whether you're coaching soccer or whether you're a river guide or whether you're reading a book to a child, they'll let you know in the, in the most simply powerful ways imaginable that you're doing something meaningful. I love that. You gave me full body goosebumps telling that story. And it's just that, that human connection that's so important, right? And nothing better than a child to show you that because they don't stop and think about, Oh, what's he going to think if I do that? And, you know, analyze it to death beforehand. They just do it. Yeah. Right. Beautiful. Right. It's so powerful and so priceless. And that reinforcement of what you're doing is making a difference. So and how cool for you. I think about the path that you've been on. We've talked about this before you were a guest on the good good change podcast and just how you took it upon yourself by taking small steps, if I remember right, to, to leave the corporate world. I mean, you were, you basically needed to leave, but then it wasn't like you had been contemplating your purpose for years and years and years, and then just immediately launched into it. You, you took some steps in order to experience certain things that mattered more to you. And then you recognize that you, you had a, a value to bring to people that could help them personally. And then by extension can help their community. And so you're, you're a living proof of kind of this formula that we're talking about today. So my hat's off to you. Oh, thank you very much. And you know, I, you're absolutely right. Like it wasn't thought out at all. I just literally knew in that moment of being let go you know, 24 years in one career, I knew that this was time for new beginnings. I didn't want to stay in that career. I didn't want to leave my town. And so if I were to stay here and stay in that career, I'd be taking my career backwards 10 years, right? So time for new beginnings. And that I had no idea what that was going to be, but I was open to being guided and I had like you, a series of ahas along the way. And I just kept following the ahas. And it's also interesting. I don't know if we ever talked about this, but it's never a linear path. Right. And so, you know, I've gone through both my girls having concussions. I was working at a wellness clinic that I'd been invited to work at and help other people heal from concussions. And then all of a sudden there was a letter sent to the community about me pretending to be a doctor. And how dare I? And just because I'd had two kids with concussions didn't mean that I was in any position to help others. And I was a risk to the community and the community should shut me down. And it was a kick to my gut because every single client I worked with knew that I wasn't a doctor. I made sure they knew that I wasn't a doctor and that I was giving them health education. Mm -hmm. And on that basis, they were still wanting to see me and have my help. And the business owner was with me when I got that email and he goes, how does it make you feel? I said, well, it's a kick to the gut because I'm not pretending to be a doctor. And he goes, what are you going to do? And I said, well, I can either put my tail between my legs and run, Mm -hmm. or I can think about all the people that I've helped that have given me testimonials so far saying that they were really appreciative of my work and realize that there are people that need what I'm doing and I need to keep going. But there was one piece in that letter that was accurate. And that was that I didn't have insurance Hmm. and I didn't have insurance because I didn't have any certification. Hmm. And so all I could do was make sure that I didn't get another letter like that again. And the way I could do that was by making sure I had insurance because that was the only piece of truth in the entire letter that was talking about what I was doing. That's what led me going back to school to becoming a health coach. 
I had actually called a friend to say, hey, you're a life coach. I need a certification. I need to get insurance. You know, what, what's a good life coaching course? What program did you do? And he said to me, you don't need to be a life coach. You need to be a health coach. And I went, what, what's that? And so that was kind of the jag in my path, yeah. right? Because I'd never heard of that before. But when I started that program, I jumped in with both feet and I was like, oh my goodness, where has this been all my life? <laughs> right? yeah. This is, I am so passionate about this. And I also realized if the entire world had time to stop doing what they're doing and do this program, the world wouldn't be nearly as sick as it is today. We wouldn't have sickness, right? But not everybody can do that. So I can learn it and then I can teach it to other people. Yeah. And that was a really profound, you know, jag in my path that took me in a new direction that I didn't even know was out there. Yeah. And that's so two, two or three things come of that for me. One is that you had, you had the, the gumption to start down a path and, and it was mm -hmm. brought about as a result of your daughters having concussions. And so you, you guided yourself to some extent while being guided by the circumstances. Yeah. And, and then you allowed for what some might have considered to be a, a, a traumatic enough event to shut some people down you allowed for that to guide you in a, a, a different direction. And then as you described it, so that's point one. And then the second point is, as you described is you never, you never saw yourself ending up there, which is again, the outside of that, that rim, that's a beautiful mm -hmm. place to exist, but you started up the spoke and, and now you're existing on the outside of that rim, which is the meaningful way to live. Exactly. And so I'm, I look back on all of that with extreme gratitude for everything that happened along the way and to being let go. Cause if yeah. I had never been let go and given an hour to clear out my desk, I wouldn't have landed here at all. Yeah. Right. Cause I was in my comfort zone over there. I'd done that for 24 years. I knew what I was doing, you know, love the industry, love the people in the industry, but it took that moment of being let go the way that I was to drive me to something completely different. Yeah. And I think that's, there, that's, uh, that's kind of, uh, if X, then Y approach of, of comfort zone disruption, mm -hmm. but then there's also, there's no reason that you can't do something meaningful or purposeful and still be in your comfort zone, which comes back to what you talked about earlier, which is if, if it's something that you're good at, and you're maybe not taking it quite as far out as you could, then it's probably not going to be that uncomfortable to do that thing. And so don't be afraid of it, whether it's A, jolting you out of your comfort zone, or B, allowing you to manifest something different in your life and still be in your comfort zone. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. And somewhere along my journey, I was at a conference and I had another aha because the speaker said, we are all put on this planet to do three things. And one of them is to serve humanity. Never stop learning mm -hmm. and to find your purpose slash passion, mm -hmm. right? And I hadn't landed in health coaching yet. It was just before that whole letter incident, et cetera. But those three things really resonated with me and just helped me keep doing what I was doing, keep working towards the outside of that wheel that you talk towards, right? Yeah, keep taking yeah. action. Yeah. 
because just that statement was meaningful to me. And it wasn't anything I'd ever thought about when I was in the corporate world, right? The corporate world, as much as I, you know, like I said, I love that career. It was still a place where I felt like I was a number and I was churning out work and that's what was demanded of me. And I got paid for 40 hours, but it was really best if I worked 60, right? And just kind of getting used up and churned out. Yeah. Right. And right. so I'd never had time to stop and think about any of that. And so that conference was, you know, a little bit of an aha and that awakening. And then things just unfolded from there. So right on. Yeah. So I love this conversation with you. We could talk for hours, literally. Yes, I agree. <laughs> but I have a couple questions for you. Okay. Um, I, and I'm going to just throw this at one at you. I, had the great pleasure to travel in Africa before I ever came to Canada and I got to raft down the Zambezi river. Um, and I'm wondering, what is your favorite river to raft? So that's a million dollar question. And I, I was going to say, answer. Um, <laughs> it depends. So I've been on the Zambezi and that's certainly one of the crazier ones that uh, anybody could go on. Did you do the, the one day trip the, what they yeah. call the wildest one day on earth? Yep. Yeah. There's some yeah. literally, I don't know if people, uh, can appreciate what that means. So I'm going to describe it a little bit more in detail. There are apartment house sized waves and school bus size reversals or holes on that river. And so to have done that is phenomenal. And my hat's off to you for doing that. I, there's, I guess there's two categories. Uh, and, and one of the favorite rivers of mine is the Rogue River in Oregon, which is near where I live. Mm-hmm. And it's just because it's a, a three or four day stretch of wilderness river with fun white water and good scenery. But what it feels like is that you're escaping for a month when you're on that river right. for, for mm-hmm. three days. And mm-hmm. that's, that's priceless. Yeah. And then I would have to say, because of something that just happened, my, my other favorite river is the Deschutes River right now on my list, because my teenage boy and I did that recently, just did it last nice. summer. And for the first time, he rode his own boat through the biggest rapids. And uh, as a dad with wanting to have kids that feel good about themselves and inspired to do good things that uh, that's a, I can still see him running that rapid. And it's such a great feeling. So. I love that. And those, you know, parent child moments are priceless. And yeah. I also love what you say about the river in Oregon and just four days on the river feels like you've been away for a month because you're out there in nature and nature has that healing, calming, you know, tendency when we're in it. Right. And it just slows our whole nervous system. And we're obviously not on devices when we're out on the river, et cetera. Since COVID I've been backcountry camping with my daughter a lot, just, you know, in our local area in BC and same thing, right. You can get out there and you can go on, even a two night overnight camp, hiking in, hauling everything with you and come back and feel like you've, you've been gone a week, two weeks. Yeah. yeah the, the, that the, healing value of nature. The peace of a wild place. That's what I call mm-hmm. it. And, and yeah. if you're able to find peace, uh, it can be uh, phenomenally rewarding and definitely recharging. And so that you're exactly right. Finding the peace of a wild place is especially powerful. And making memories at the same time. Love it. So I love to ask all of my guests as we wrap up, what does don't wait for your wake up call mean to you? Boy, I think this conversation has largely been centered on that, which is um, take a small step, take a small step and don't worry about whether or not it's going to be as completely rewarding or as completely purposeful as, as uh, you might like it to be. 
because that small step will lead you in a direction that will make it where um, you don't feel like you ha or have to be woken up every day. It's where you want to be woken up every day. And so that's my piece of advice is just take that small step and, and um, uh, discover, discover great things in that. I love that. I love the idea of just wanting to wake up every day, right? Yeah. Um, and so how can people reach you if they want to reach out to you and, you know, learn more about your work? And I know you're also very generously offering a gift to my audience. So if you can please share all of that information as well. Yeah. So I'll be the guy on the corner of your town with the sandwich board that just says, looking, looking for, looking for advice, meaning I'd love to get some of your advice. No, I'm just kidding. My website is kenstreeter.com, K-E-N-S-T-R-E-A-T-E-R.com. And uh, on there, you'll find uh, some links to books and speeches and stuff like that. Um, and yeah, I would love for your listeners to um, take a look at my, my most recent book, Be the Good, with the subtitle, Becoming a Force for a Better World. It has 20 chapters that are really 20 tangible, easy to implement action items with stories that are related to those um, action items. And uh, it's normally, I think, six bucks ebook form on Amazon. And for your listeners, uh, for the week or so after this show, we'll have it available at $1.99. So all you have to do is uh, go to my website and get the link to Amazon. And then uh, you'll see that your your ebook price is $1.99. And I hope you take advantage of that. Just because, as we've talked about today, if you if you try one of those things, one of those 20 items, I think you'll notice a difference in your life and, and also notice a difference that you're making in your community. I love that. And... I will also put the link in the show notes for people. This episode is coming out December 11th. So for a week after December 11th, December 11th. So for a week after that, um, people can get that uh, book for a buck 99. And how much value is that? Amazing. Thank you so much for your generosity. Oh, my, my pleasure. Love that. I just want to say thank you again for, for all that you're doing and for having me today. And uh, you're, you're, you're making a difference in your community. You're making a difference in the world. And I'm, I'm honored to have been on your show. Well, thank you very much. And it's been wonderful to co-collaborate with you both here on my show and on your show. And is there any last message you want to leave for the audience as we finish off and encouraging them to start their health journey today? I would say, uh, jump on jump on your bandwagon so to speak i would say if if uh if you're looking for a, a, a guide uh, to to bring you to a better place health wise and not just physically healthy but all levels um to sign up for what you're providing to sign up for one of your services because you know, I've, I've, I've been on the fringes of the personal development and self-help industry for a couple of decades now. And you can tell when certain people are, are in it for maybe not the most um, compassionate reasons. Um, you're in it because you're altruistic and because you want to help people without any real uh, need to be buoyed ego wise or, or extra, extra flooded with money. And I, you can just tell that, that you're a good human with a good soul and the service that you provide other people uh, would matter, would make a big difference in their life. So well, that's where I start. Thank you very much. And you yes, can. there's nothing that brings me more joy than guiding people through and having them 
achieve their health goals. So thank you very much. And thank you to all the listeners. It's been awesome, wonderful conversation and see you next time. Before I let you go today, I want to let you know about my next health kickstart and detox program starting on Tuesday, January the 4th, 2022. There is no better time to start looking after your health than the start of a new year and no better way than to do it in a guided group community. During this program, I will guide you through a three-week functional medicine detox. You do not start until after session one, so you can learn how to do it and be set up for success. And then I dive into nutrition and the right way to eat for your body and busting up some of those nutritional myths that are out there. We also dive into digestion because it's not just about what you eat, but about what you absorb. And I dive into sugar because it is in everything these days. Where is it sneaking into your diet and what can you use instead? And we finish up with how not to retox after your detox, because of course, if you've done all of that hard work, you don't just want to go back to your old habits. You want to take your new habits with you to uh, continue on your health journey throughout 2022 and forevermore. And this is information that you will be learning not only for your benefit, but that you can then teach to your loved ones as well. So check out the link in the show notes to learn more about this program. If you haven't done my Discover Your Toxic Load quiz, do that. And I look forward to seeing you in the program. Thank you for investing this time with me on the Don't Wait for Your Wake Up Call podcast. I'm so glad you joined in. If you can take two minutes to share this episode with someone you think can benefit and have a positive impact on their life, that would be wonderful. Please leave a review by going to your favorite podcast listening app and let me know what you enjoy or would like to hear more of. It will support me in my effort to bring the possibility of natural healing to a wider audience and help disrupt the sick care system we have today and make human health a global priority. Health is your true wealth.